Hi, folks, and welcome to the Sioux Nation Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Jake Geis, and today we are blessed to have Dr. Jessica Devine here with us today. How are we doing, Jess? Good. Well, thank you for coming here today. Now, Jess is a veterinarian with our sister company, which is the Sioux Nation Pet Clinic. Dr. Jessica has completed her degree at the University of Minnesota and has been welcoming pets to the Sioux Nation Pet Clinic with a smile since 2015. Now, you're coming here today to talk about something that kind of crosses the divide between pets and livestock, which is cattle dogs. Correct. Now, you know, a lot of the folks out there uh, in our listening audience have many different types of working dogs, but in particular, cattle dogs that work on farm and ranches are a very unique and special animal, I would say. Yes, they are. (laughs) They're tough as nails and, and sometimes don't know when to quit, huh? Exactly. They will go all day long for you and just don't stop. And so that's the thing. I mean, they're so dedicated to their job that sometimes they get themselves in a position where they get hurt. And so you've had the pleasure of working with cattle dogs in a lot of unique situations where they've either found a disease situation or more than likely injured themselves. And we want to talk about how we can keep these dogs in good shape so we don't have the likelihood of having as many of these problems. So yes, our cattle dogs are very, very prone. I feel like the most common thing we probably see with these guys is injuries. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's usually because they do. They go 90 miles an hour and they're not going to stop. So probably our biggest concern with some of our cattle dog injuries are usually blunt first trauma. Whether they get taken by the cow who decides it doesn't want to go where you're telling it to go. Your ATV, your four-wheeler, you decided to quick turn and the dog did not convey that a point and you run them over. Mm-hmm. Vehicles, tractors, all those types of things are probably our biggest issues for our lovely canine friends. So our common injuries are usually fractures or dislocations of different bones. The more problematic one is probably head trauma because mm-hmm. when, when some of these guys get kicked in the head, um, that definitely can cause some pretty severe issues with them. And I'm thinking too, I mean, some of these things are more simple to repair than others. Broken bones can heal and they usually do fine. Dislocations hit and miss. Some of them go in nice and stay great. Some of them do become a problem down the line. I would say your head injuries, that's something to usually not take too lightly. Those ones can be catastrophic for our pups. Absolutely. And I'm sure not just even with the head itself, but with the eyes and with the, with the brain within the skull and the tongue and all of those different nerves that run through the face, we can see. Exactly. And you got teeth and everything else that are all involved in there. And I mean, when you start involving brain and issues, brain takes a long time to heal if it does get hurt. So it can be a touchy spot. If someone has a dog that has just been through some sort of a wreck, you know, Mm -hmm. be it a cow, be it whatever uh, piece Mm -hmm. of equipment, what should be the first step that they're going to take? First step I would do is personally is just get a hold of your dog because some of them, when they get injured, decide they're going to make a quick bolt for it and be gone. But getting a hold of them, assessing your situation, like are mentally they cognitive and they know who you are and what you're asking? Do they have any spot that like a leg that they don't want to use or something along those lines? And then the next step is just call your vet. So that way you can get them in and get them seen and get them evaluated. Sure. Are there any triage tips that people should have in the back of their mind so that if they do run into a situation that they can stave off a problem? Because obviously a lot of our cattle dogs are not exactly getting injured in convenient locations. No, they usually get conveniently injured when they're out in pasture, I feel like is probably your most common spot. And that's definitely... I mean, if you have something, like if they're bleeding, not going to lie, your belt, your t-shirt, anything along those lines, wrap up a wound um, just to kind of stabilize it in that aspect. If you have a bone protruding, 
be careful with that because that can actually cause more issues. But really, you just kind of want to stabilize them and stop the oozing. And I I think on the t-shirt and really for people to think about it when they are dealing with a dog that's normally very amiable, when they're in a lot of pain, they might need to consider you having something for a muzzle so that you don't get bit yourself because the dog isn't necessarily being mean. It just it just hurts. It just hurts. And that's just it. And that's honestly, you can use your belt. You could use a shoelace. You could use a piece of twine that's probably riding around in the back of your ATV or somewhere nearby. You can just kind of wrap a little basically just wrapping it around their muzzle just to hold their muzzle shut. You don't want to inflict more pain. You just want to keep their mouth shut so their teeth don't get you. So is there things that we can think about that can help an animal be more resilient? I mean, nutrition obviously comes to mind in my book. Yes, nutrition becomes a huge thing, making sure that they're on a quality dog food. Other things I think about is joint supplements. This is something that's very simple. You can buy them at most pet stores. Honestly, you can buy them online, is getting them that joint support, because that'll help them long-term with arthritis issues and stuff that also usually progress as our cattle dogs get a little older. Absolutely. And I mean, that's just the long-term chronic stress of all that running and jumping and everything they do that really wears on that cartilage. Exactly. And those guys don't stop. So it's going to happen. You know, the other thing that comes to mind, of course, is is things that maybe we can't see that we know cattle dogs get into because I haven't seen a cow dog yet that doesn't enjoy eating cow manure. Yes. It's a delicacy. Didn't you know this? I didn't realize that. Yeah. This is what I get for just having bird dogs. Yeah. Your bird dogs do it too. Oh, shh. We aren't going to talk about that. Um, so really, I mean, parasite is really where that comes into because our cattle dogs and dogs in general, they eat things they're not supposed to. Let's be honest. Not everyone, they have some sort of a delicacy and manure and poop tend to be it. So making sure that they're dewormed at least two or three times a year, just to purge them, make sure we get some extra friends out of there, makes them healthier. If you can do it monthly, that's great. But I do know that cost is always sometimes an issue. And I know people will ask, well, I don't see any worms in their stool, so how could they have worms? You will only see the worm itself, A, if you're watching every time your dog poops, and B, if it's dead. The worm has to be dead in order for you to find it. So most of your living worms are inside. So they're passing eggs. We just don't see them. You need a microscope for that. So basically what you're saying is, is that just because you don't see worms doesn't mean the worms aren't there. If the dog eats manure, the dog has worms. Exactly. So maybe let's get into some unique situations that you've seen in practice. Can you think of a time where you've had a cattle dog that has just had a really interesting injury? Uh, Yes, I can, actually. This one was a few years ago, but I had a client who rushed me and his dog, and he goes, Doc, the cow took her while I tried to tag the calf. And this is a poor little, oh, she was probably about five or six little blue healer. Good little dog, but she got rolled big time by this cow. And she actually came in with a dislocated hip. So her hip was out of joint. So we were able to luckily get her sedated and get that back in place for her. But of course, as soon as she went home, being like a good cattle dog, she tore the wrap off and her hip came back out. So she did a couple more years of being a cattle dog. But after that, we did have to retire her to just being the quote farm dog. And she wasn't allowed to go out into pasture anymore. Isn't it just crazy that they just are so tenacious? They are. They really are tenacious and they make things 
very, very interesting, I will say, occasionally for us. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's so funny because they're their own worst enemies a lot of times. They are. They just don't understand when to stop. They really don't. And they will, they're hurt and injured. They'll keep on going and they're not going to give up. Any other interesting ones that you've come in contact with? Well, I mean, the other ones that I usually see, I see a few that are lacerations because they've ran through the barbed wire fence being on something, whether it was doing what they were supposed to or doing something else while they were frolicking. Um, So I've had quite a few pretty good lacerations from anywhere from on limbs um, to one dog who decided that he was going to go under a tin building and gave himself a wonderful cut across the top of his um, neck. So his owner was very, very frightened with that one. And I think one thing that's good for people to know when it comes to lacerations, the sooner the better if we want to try to correct that with sutures. A lot of them, yes, do heal by second intention, but those big ones, the sooner you can get them in, we can get them cleaned up and closed, the quicker they're going to heal and they're going to be able to get back to work. Sure enough. And I think for our listening audience, uh, could you define what you mean by healing by second intention? So healing by second intention would be us not necessarily doing anything at all. So just cleaning the wound at home and it just heals by itself over time. So similar to you and I, we put get a little cut, you put a little Band-Aid on it, you call it a day. That is healing by second intention. It heals on its own without any intervention. And is there a point, you know, if people say, oh, my dog is cut, is there a point in time where we are going to draw a line and say we have to heal by second intention at this point versus we can still sew this up? Personally, I still, if it's a big enough sore, I still like to try to sew them. With their healing time with that, I mean, it sometimes can be a toss-up. Some of them will heal great, fantastic. Some of them do not. I feel like the ones that don't, though, are usually my dogs that don't stay and leave it alone like I would appreciate them. Sure. And obviously, we can try to use wraps and different things to try to keep them from leaving it alone because licking is the enemy. Exactly. Licking it, them wanting to clean it, it makes it worse. Yeah. So you're telling me that dogs licking their wounds is actually a bad thing. Exactly. It is a bad thing because it's introducing bacteria and it's not allowing that granulation tissue to come across. A lot of different things for people to think about. You know, if you have a cattle dog and it's an active cattle dog, I think the the likelihood is is it'll at some point get into a bit of a scuff that will require a little bit of uh, intervention of some sort. And yes. At least this gives people something to think about so that if that does occur, they know where to start. They're tenacious little dogs that are not going to stop. So sooner or later, they get themselves into trouble. Well, thank you very much for taking the time to come and share this with us and give us a little bit of information on this topic. You're welcome. It was great being with you. All right. Thank you to all our listening audience out there. Y'all take care, folks. Mm-hmm.